Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. They're coming out of his beat six and seven. Top the moment is Brendan Eight. Oh, wow. No, no, no. Seven games of footy behind us. How good it is to have Rugby League back on our TVs. This is a Supercoach 365 podcast. Wrapping up the weekend's action thus far, Ryan Selvage here with you and joined by a very special guest to talk the footy thus far, Clarky of Clarky's RL Column. Thanks for joining us. G'day, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure to be here. What do you make of the weekend's footy, mate? As we say, uh, recording this Sunday night, the uh, Knights and Bulldogs still to come on Monday, maybe tonight if you're listening to this on Monday morning. But uh, what have you made of the weekend's footy? Yeah, I'm just excited to have footy back. Hasn't been the highest quality footy, obviously, the first hit out. Um, that's to be expected, I suppose. Probably one of my biggest takeaways would have to be that although we are watching NRL trials, the essence of um, the word trial, it's just simply false, right? It appears most coaches this year seem to have a fairly good feel for most of their 17, and it's more just... I guess, exposing some of these younger players um, to some form of first grade. Yeah, we have seen plenty of those, I guess, lesser names respectively, uh, especially in, I guess, some of those games on Saturday afternoon, and we'll get into those in just a moment's time. Uh, Clarky, mate, you've obviously built your name uh, in rugby league, but it's been a big summer, a big off-season, because you've dived into, I guess, broader sports content. So I guess before we jump into the rugby league, tell us a little bit about that and what's happening in that space. Oh, I've just um, thought I'll start a new sports page. Obviously, Clarkie's Rugby League column, I think most people can see it's it's born out of passion and probably close to an addiction of sport, really. <laughs> and um, I'm passionate for it. I figured um, I probably don't have the time, but I'll find the time. And um, more so just, you know, like the Super Bowls on the other day. And previously, I wasn't able to cover that. Um, and I do have a passion for covering sports, creating content live during the game and just interacting with people and, uh, it's something that I, I really, really enjoy. And so being able to do that in the UFC, boxing, cricket, um, and wider sports space has been something that I'm really, really enjoying. Let me just tell you, mate, you do a phenomenal job. Um, and often it's a thankless task at times. So I know uh, firsthand um, the amount of time and effort that goes into that. So I guess a thank you, firstly, from a sports fan. 
um, but also looking forward to having uh, Clarkie's Arrow Colin fired up for, uh, well, in full swing anyway, given the rugby league season just around the corner. Um, again, uh, we've already mentioned seven games uh, of footy behind us already. Before we dive into, I guess, the game by game and dissect the nitty gritty, I want to know firstly, what caught your eye most this weekend? And I guess what stood out from the seven games that we've seen heading into Monday night? Most of junior competitions in New South Wales Cup shut down because of COVID um, in recent years. I was still pretty happy with the quality of football um, that we got to witness. Obviously, there were some uh, games that weren't, there was a couple areas, but we can expect that the first game. But um, I would have thought with COVID shutting down so many of these uh, lower grades, potentially the football standard has dropped. That wasn't the case. And I think that's also really important to consider um, the BBL cricket, for example, the competition there. We saw so many players contract COVID and other unknown players have to step in. And so I do think this is a year where the trials are probably more important than ever because there is the implied risk that anyone can get COVID at any time. And therefore, you're going to need to have some of these young players step in and do the job. Um, And I was really impressed with the standard of football. And Mm -hmm. so it gives me the feeling that no matter sort of what hardships the NRL has to endure in terms of losing players due to COVID and teams, we should still have a competitive, uh, fun competition to watch this year. Yeah, and absolutely. Um, I mean, we saw that plenty on Saturday, but we also saw a glimpse of that on in, on Friday night in that first game, the Raiders and the Roosters. The biggest story, I think, to come out of that, obviously, was maybe the emergence of Xavier Savage. You mentioned there the lack of cup footy last year. Uh, he got his chance on limited occasions last season in the NRL, but it looks like over the preseason, the offseason, he's really developed into not just a fringe first grader, but someone who's really pressing to start in that first 17 come round one. Yeah, which is quite weird for me because I understand he's got such an impressive highlight package. Everything we've seen from him in first grade so far, whether it's trial or actually in the NRL last year, has been super impressive. Uh, For me, you stick with chance. He got you to the big dance, the final, only two or three years ago in 2019. Um, Xavier Savage, but I do think... This is a guy that we could be seeing in a Maroons jersey potentially on the wing. Um, I think he, I'm inclined to believe he starts on the wing in round one. I understand people have him in that fullback jersey, um, but I think especially with the Jordan Rapp and a two game suspension, for me, it makes a lot of sense to put Xavier Savage on the wing there, give him those two games there, and then reevaluate from there. Has Chance been in his top form? Um, has it worked so well with Savage on the wing? Maybe Rapp and it gets kept out of the side, which is crazy to think. Yeah. Um, it's one of those issues where the Raiders, they've got an issue, but it's an issue you'd rather have than not have. You know, there's some teams out there that would, you know, be begging to have plentiful options around key spine positions such as fullback, and the Raiders are fortunate to have that. I think it was the way he played as well, which kind of gave credence and some value, some legitimacy to think that he could shift chance. I, I'm with you personally. I think uh, we saw last year the Raiders, they really struggled, and obviously uh, CNK was out for a lot of the year. I think he's such an underrated player. Doesn't have the highlight reels like a Pappenhausen, a Tedesco, a Travojevic, but what he brings to that Raiders team, I don't think you can quantify it in terms of, uh, I guess, the, the way that he impacts the Raiders. At the other side of the ball, though, um, I think for the Roosters, a lot of younger names as well. One that stood out for mine was Ronald Volkman, and you mentioned the lack of cup footy or junior tier footy in recent years. Tell us about him, mate. What do you know? And I guess, I know the Roosters, they have a couple of halves there, maybe in front of him with Lamb and Hutchinson, but were you a chance of seeing this kid debut? Because I think the Roosters got significantly better when he was on. You know what? I think that we are a chance. I won't lock it in just because 
Over the origin period, here's the thing. Sam Walker's so good, and if there's an injury for the Maroons, he's probably in that side. And Luke Keery as well. He's probably right up there in contention for the Blues side. And the reason why I can't give a definite yes or no is uh, for the Maroons, there would need to be an injury for Sam Walker to get over DCE or Munster. And for the Blues, there's just so many options with Cody Walker, Jerome Luai, um, Nathan Cleary will undoubtedly be the seven, but then that six, there's you know, two or three guys that could win that. But let's go perfect world scenario scenario for Volkman. Let's say those two men do go um, over to Origin. I think we probably see Drew Hutchinson in the six, Lockie yeah. Lamb in the 14, and I think we see Ronald Volkman in the seven. He is only 17 or 18 years old, I believe, but the Roosters have been really, really impressed with him for a, a long time. Um, and he's been training with Cooper Cronk this preseason. And if you're a young halfback um, looking to learn, first and foremost, Cooper Cronk's the man, right? He's one of the greatest tactical minds we've ever seen in the NRL. And then just the level that he's training at in the halves consistently uh, with Luke Keary and Sam Walker there. It's a great standard to go by. He's always been a great talent in the lower grades. He's got the right coaches. And so if things go his way, there is every chance we see this kid in the NRL this Yeah, not wishing, I guess, ill health or injury on anyone, but you mentioned... uh... COVID already and in, in its impacts. We've already seen it this weekend with the Canberra Raiders and I guess their halves uh, going down. So not, you know, as I said already, not wishing uh, illness upon anyone, but we're going to see a lot of these younger guys come in and get a chance this year. Uh, for what it's worth, I was really impressed with him and, and personally, I hope we do see a little bit of him this year because I would love to see that development almost like we saw with Sam Walker last year. Also on Friday night though, the Seagulls and the West Tigers, they hit it out at Leichhardt after that. It was really a game of two halves. The first half was uh, sort of that NRL trial, I guess you could say. The second half, essentially, a New South Wales Cup, all those players pushing for maybe um, spots to be considered. Tom, uh, DCE, Garrick, I think they were they were pretty good in limited time that they got. But from what we saw in those minutes, I don't think too much is going to change with the Seagulls this year. DCE and Tom, they're going to have their fingerprints over everything that the Manly side does well. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we can only go off what we saw last year, and so far we can only go off a 40-minute trial. Uh, we saw that one try assist there just on the stroke of halftime. DC gives a nice inside ball to Turbo, and from there it's magic. And the thing that really impressed me with that is, although it's a trial, you're focusing on your defense as a coach. And if you're focusing on your defense, you're talking all week, hey, watch Cherry Evans, hey, watch Turbo. And so even though that was seemingly the, the defensive focus of the Tigers all week, they're actually unable to stop it. And I do sense that although teams will start to tack, you know, make their tactics and they'll start to game plan around shutting down Tom Trevojevich, it is possible. We saw the Storm do it to an extent. And even then he had two or three tries, so did they really do it? It is possible to limit Turbo, but you cannot shut him out of a game completely. And I think that as long as that remains a fact, man, you're a top four side. And I know that that's a bold call, um, but I just believe that to be true. Absolutely. I think as long as Tom's fit and obviously DCE, still an elite half. Uh, and Garrick as well continues to surprise us. Um, he did last year. I know he caught a lot of people off guard, including myself. You mentioned it's just a trial. I know you rewind 12 months, you see the Tigers, they got a standing ovation. They walk off Leichhardt. It was laughable at the time. But I guess you don't want to get too carried away this year. But given the result and given the way they played and uh, the defense, you mentioned there, the points that they conceded, they still must be disappointed with that result given that they would have thrown everything at their defense over the offseason, the preseason, and, and tried to limit the amount of points they're conceding. You know, for me, I was worried. I was worried for this for Tigers fans. Tigers fans, um, for me, they're a little bit like they're bored. They don't like the truth. 
Um, the truth is this is a side that has for so many years accepted being mediocre. Um, they've accepted a halfback in Luke Brooks, who's never played finals yet, re-signed him for millions of dollars. Um, and as you said, giving your team a standing ovation for a trial game last year, um, it's it's they're just below standard. And what really stood out to me actually was Tyrone Peachy's interview after the game, obviously new to their system. And all I heard from him was eight different excuses. Oh, it's early. Oh, we've got a lot to work on. Oh, we're building new combos. It was excuse after excuse after excuse, but not once did he accept accountability. And mm. so he's new to that Tigers system. And if he's coming in there with that mindset, having only trained with those sort of players for six months, it shows to me there's been no shift in the Tigers culture, although that's all they've seemed to say over the past two years under James Tamo's leader, leadership there. For me, that really did show. There has been absolutely zero change in their culture. Um, and so leave this trial out. Leave this out. If this, Even if this result hadn't happened, I'd tell you the Tigers are a bottom four side. After what I saw in that game and hearing their seemingly cultural issues continue, I just think they're still a bottom four side. No, I'm with you. Um, and it's hard to... I mean, you can only look at what you what you can see. You mentioned that interview there. That's interesting because um, I saw him interviewed. I didn't, I guess, catch the quotes as significantly as you did. But, yeah, I guess uh, worrying signs for the Tigers. I mean, they'll get another chance to turn that around this week and maybe with Jackson Hastings back as well, eventually uh, they might change big things. Inclusion. I think, but you know, before we, you, you say Hastings is a big inclusion, a big loss, though, for the Tigers is Adam Dewey. He was everything for I them last that- year. Most definitely. I mean, you said it there. He was everything for them. For me, he's their most important player. Um, I, I think we're looking at a situation where if Adam Dowie didn't injure his ACL, Jackson Hastings is their seven, Adam Dowie is their six, and I feel a lot more confident about them improving this year and, and pushing up towards the top eight. Um, but regardless, with Adam Dowie out, it's just such a huge loss for them. He's a quality center. He's a quality halfback, quality fullback, quality 5'8". He's a sort of player that just gets in, gets about his work, doesn't matter what numbers on his back, and to lose that sort of man, it's it's massive for the Tigers. I'd go as far as even putting the captaincy on him if he wasn't injured. That's how highly I rate Adam Dowdy. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think he is one player who is accountable, and he would call others into line as yes. well. So uh, big loss for the Tigers. Uh, again, we'll, we'll get a chance to see them in the coming weeks before round one. But it's it, I would be feeling very deflated as a Tigers fan uh, on the back of that. Next game, the first game on Saturday, the Warriors and the Storm. Warriors, uh, too good in the end, 30 points to 18 victors. For mine, the standout in this one was Cam Munster. He probably didn't have to play as many minutes as he did, but I thought he looked intentful. Uh, He was purposeful with everything he did. He ran the ball a hell of a lot. He looks fit. I don't know about the the shaggy-do haircut, but, I mean, he looks all business this year. And the fact that he did play so many minutes, he was interviewed at halftime as well, and he said, no, I want to come out in the second half. I don't want to rest. So that shows you his intentions this year. Yeah, there was intent from Cameron Monster from the get-go. Um, I actually didn't... I missed the pregame where they said that Cooper Johns was out with a calf strain. And so um, when I had a look at the TV, I, I, I did see that. I don't, I don't know what you call it. Like you said, the shaggy-do haircut. I actually thought, who's this young gun? He's pretty good. Um, so Munster has lost a ton of weight. He was lively. The intent was there, even though it was a trial. He played unreal. Um, so much so, I, like I said, I didn't recognize him at first. Yeah. So I guess that shows that he's, you know, come back fit and the best we've ever seen him. Um, but damn, I sat there and said, this, this young gun's pretty good. And then after maybe five, ten minutes, I was, that's Cameron Munster. What am, what yeah. am I thinking? But um, yeah, fantastic signs that you're a Storm fan. What do you make of Xavier Coates? I saw a couple of stories uh, while you were watching the game yesterday. One touch for one try early. Um, I think 
personally, I thought he'd play on the right wing and Meany would be on the left, but looks like Meany may go on the, on the right or be that number 14 role once they're all back and fit. But on Coates, that's prime real estate in this Melbourne team, that left wing. He could score 20-plus tries this year. Yeah, I'm prepared to make a prediction that he's the NRL leading try scorer this year if he does stay injury-free. He's one of those players that for the last few years, I think he's had the potential to be the best wing. Um, yep. Typically, we have seen Melbourne Storm wingers be very successful of that Suliasi Vunavalu build where they're able to collect the high bombs, they're able to um, get outside their man, they, they've got that athletic ability to score in the corner. Xavier Coates ticks all of those boxes, and so if we're just going off past history, we know the Melbourne Storm score a hell of a lot of tries. We know Xavier Coates is a rep player and has some of the most potential. And we know he's athletic and fits the mould of the Melbourne Storm try scorers of previous years. I think when you combine all that, he should be the league's leading try scorer. Especially, uh, we saw what Adokar's done for years on years. And I know that, uh, obviously, Adokar is one of the elite wingers of the game. But Coates has played Origin as well. So no reasons why he can't go on and, I guess, forge a career like Adokar did down at the Storm before he moved on. Uh, For the Warriors, though, I think for me there's... Obviously, the question marks over who partners Sean Johnson, each of the three pushing for that, all had a crack yesterday. Of course, I speak of Ash Taylor, Chanel Harris-DeVita, and Cody Nikarima. Who do you think came out on top, and or who has been, I guess, leading that race given that game, but also the All-Stars game considered? Yeah, considering the All-Stars game and the trial, I'm leading with Cody Nikarima. Um, he did say this year, I want to lock down a spot in the halves. I'm sick of playing 14. So mm. it appears if he's saying that to the media, clearly he wants that point to be heard by the coach. Um, it's obviously something he might have discussed privately in the past that hasn't exactly been heard. Now it's in the media. Nathan Brown's well aware of his intentions there. So I think including the All-Stars game, I'm with Cody Nikarima in the six. I wouldn't rule out Ash Taylor completely, though. He's gone there on a train and trial with no expectation. And so if he wasn't performing, all the worries need to say is, hey, thank you, see you, goodbye, um, mm. catch you later. They've chosen to sign him on a full-time deal. So I think that's a great sign in itself. And I wouldn't rule out Chanel Harris-Tavita, but the biggest reason why I'm not going to throw his name forward is the suspension of Reese Walsh for two games. I think we see Chanel Harris-Tavita return to fullback there for the opening two games. Yeah. And I think we see Cody Nicarima at six. Um, and maybe the 14 jersey could be there for Ash Taylor or vice versa with Cody and Ash Taylor. Maybe I'm looking too far ahead, but obviously these whispers around Walsh wanting to move on, and understandably so, young father from Queensland, uh, and obviously all his family's there. He went to the Warriors for a chance. He's shown us already that he's got the talent to be an NRL first grader. Do you think that they ex- they extended this train and trial deal for, for Taylor, giving him a full-time contract, maybe with that, as a bit of insurance, thinking, oh, well, if Walsh up and goes after 10, 12 weeks, we do have that flexibility to, to put CHT to the back. Or if Dallin and, and, I guess, just bolster this squad, because we know Taylor, on his day, is a great player. We just probably haven't seen enough of it in his Titans time. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, even at the Titans there, there were years where he was only behind Luke Keery and Jonathan Thurston for try assists. So the potential's always been there. It's just completing the whole game. Um, on what you said about Reese Walsh, release him over our dead body now he seems very determined to keep reese walsh and i am inclined to think if they did release him Mm. they'd be seeking some form of compensation and i think that would be in the form of another outside back particularly a fullback so i think what you said makes sense it definitely factored in uh, but i also think they'll play this very smart and if they absolutely do have to release him they'll be looking for something in return it's going to be have to uh going to have to be something pretty good in return because i think sky's the limit for reese walsh given what we've seen limited chances already 
Uh, the last game on Saturday, again, uh, sorry, the, the middle game on Saturday, actually, the Cowboys and the Rabbitohs, probably not too much to take away from this in terms of the lack of NRL talent on show. But I guess a, a broader question about the Rabbitohs this season for you, mate. You've watched a lot of footy in your time. At the heart of all of that has been Adam Reynolds in the number seven for Souths. I'm interested to hear your take on how you think the Rabbitohs will go without uh, their former captain, their goal kicker, their general. How do they just replace what looks almost an irreplaceable number seven? I mean, he built a legacy on being the controller of that game plan. Absolutely. The Rabbitohs all-time leading point scorer. You know, if I think I think if he doesn't leave that club, we lock in the Rabbitohs for another top four. We probably say they can make the grand final again because they made it without Latrell Mitchell. And so mm. all signs would tell me that the Rabbitohs are another are bound for another grand final. However, just take just taking Adam Reynolds out, just that one player. I'm not even convinced now they're a top four side. It's just such a huge question mark. And when we look at every single NRL team, that is probably the biggest question mark over any team. You just because you just can't replace him. Yes, Lachlan Ilias is a great young talent. However, he's not Adam Reynolds. There's only one Adam Reynolds that has been at the Rabbitohs for this long period of time. Then we go a little bit deeper. Let's say Lachlan Ilias gets injured. Well, Blake Taff is on the record saying he doesn't feel comfortable in a seven jersey yet. So now you've got someone who probably isn't that comfortable leading a team around because you know he's seen Adam do it. He knows what goes into it. It's so important. Um, and so I think it's just, it was just a massive mistake by the Rabbitohs to let him go. I can't comment too much on what I saw in the trial in regards to Lachlan Ilias. The main factor being he'll be playing behind such a powerful forward pack yeah. and he just wasn't in the trial because there was so, so many rookies there and stuff. Uh, but I think you put him behind Jai Arrow, Tavita Totola, um, Tom Burgess and all the other superstar forwards at the Rabbitohs there, you're putting him in a great position to potentially succeed. Yeah, it makes a hell of a difference when you have, uh, I guess, the opposition going backwards and you're on the front foot. What about the Cowboys on the other side to that I think they were probably underwhelming last year they've probably been underwhelming for a few years to be honest do you see them improving enough to play finals footy this year or is it going to be much of the same for the Cowboys in 2022 as what it was last year I think their defense was horrible they conceded I think it was 32 points per game you just can't win games of footy when you're conceding that many points you can't and for me the thing with I this is just how I'm seeing it the Cowboys look burnt out. They look fatigued. They look like they need to clean out a fresh roster. Um, and one of the focuses that Todd Payton's had this season is essentially this is, you know, quote unquote, flogging the players. He has said we are trying new techniques to have our players under fatigue permanently because we will not accept the bottom four. And just from how they looked last year, sluggish in defense, lethargic, not 100% there, slow starts. I'm not sure if that's the right technique there. Um, it remains to be seen. I could be completely wrong on that. Um, but just from what I've seen and what I'm hearing now, I think they're probably going at this the wrong way. I probably can't see the Cowboys breaking out of the bottom four. They do have some great young talent, but they just lost all the important players that you never want to lose at the wrong times, and they never really had a plan to replace them. The Cowboys, for mine, seem like they've got a lot of the same type of player. Especially their forwards, I uh, think of you know Ben Condon, Mitch Dunn, Tom Gilbert. Um, who else have they got there? Obviously, Ruben Cotter coming through. They just don't. It's funny that I say this because then they do have someone that is out of the box, like a Jason Talmalolo. There's only one of him, but they don't use him perhaps the way that they could and should. So, yeah, I, I personally, I just think the Cowboys. I don't know. Todd Payton, he's come in and he's obviously made his bed with the way he's used Tamalolo in the past, and he may not even be there. 
Tamalolo, given, I guess, his status towards what the game's asking in terms of health protocols. So, uh, yeah, I can see the Cowboys struggling a hell of a lot this year. Yeah, no arguments from me there, um, particularly around what you said with Jason Tamalolo. You know, he's come out in the past and said, oh, we've got a 10-year player here. We need to look at his longevity. Um, and you said about so many of their young forwards having the same skill set. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, as you mentioned, Tom Gilbert, Dunn, they were the two that sprung straight to my mind. Great players, but almost identical skill sets. And so if you're the defensive side it's relatively easy to defend against that because you can set the same game plan that applies to the whole forward pack, essentially. Yeah, let's leave that there. I think the last game on Saturday, and, uh, well, I think it was the best game of the of the week thus far. Again, as I say, we're recording this ahead of the Bulldogs and the Knights tonight, or on Monday night. Uh, but 26 all, the Titans, the Broncos, so many young stars on show in this one. It was exciting, particularly that young Titan spine for mine. I know the Titans are a team close to your heart. What did you make of, uh, I guess, those young stars, Campbell and Sexton particularly? Yeah, I don't want to be too biased, but I'd have to agree. Entertainment-wise, I think this was probably the game of the round. Um, I was really happy with the Titans' first half, and I think if you're a Broncos fan, you're really happy with the second half. And so, therefore, I think there are genuine positive takeaways for both sides. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it was a highly entertaining game. Both sides have an abundance of young talent coming through. And it was really exciting to see um, two teams that are rivals and the next generation of stars going at it. You know, we had Tino's little brother, Dave Fafita's younger cousin, Payne Haas's younger brother. Um, the superstars of now and the next generation were on display in this game. And it made for a highly entertaining contest, in my opinion. What about the uh, Broncos number six? There's a couple of players there that are putting their hands up. And I think it's obviously led by Kelly and Gamble, uh, Walters as well. The one that probably came into the preseason last in that pecking order, but I think has impressed the most, would be Ezra Mam. For mine, he's just got that X factor about him and something different to the other three that I might think it would help Adam Reynolds' game a little bit like a Cody Walker in the fact that he, he can attract defenders in and provide for his outside man. Yeah, I think at this stage I'm ruling out Corey Pakes. I think he should probably be the nine over Jake Turpin. Um, I just haven't been impressed with Turpin for a few seasons now. I think he's been relatively disappointing. Uh, my leading option is actually Billy Walters. I've been super impressed. Um, but I can definitely see where you're coming from there in terms of Ezra Mam and offering a different skill set. Billy Walters, a relatively conservative half, great kicking game. But everything that Billy Walters is great at, the Broncos already have in Adam Reynolds. And so they might be inclined to go down this path of Ezra Mam, who offers that straight X factor and something different. And the reason why I think you're onto something there is what made the Rabbitohs so great, Reynolds steering the ship, Cody Walker's license and his freedom to offer that X factor. And so I think if the Broncos are smart, they could definitely take that, bring that across and and try to apply that to their side with Ezra Mam. Um, The other option there, Tyson Gamble. I thought he was relatively poor. Um, A few silly errors there. I thought he was poor in the kicking game. Um, There is still a trial next week, but I think he's going to have to, he has some ground to make up um, if he's to catch up to Billy Walters and Ezra Mam in particular. Yeah, and probably, I guess, go on the record of saying that, not saying that Ezra Mam is the player that Cody Walker is. I'm just saying if they want to bring him on and obviously improve his game and get him to a point where he is representing, uh, I guess, whoever his representative team is in the future, if it's Queensland or PNG, I'm not too sure. But there's no better man to, to bring someone along than Adam Reynolds for mine. Anyway, they'll leave that game there. Great finish, and I guess both teams probably a little bit happy with the draw, a little bit disappointed at the same time. 
You mentioned uh, someone playing poorly in Gamble, someone looking to make a case. I think you could probably say the same about Braden Trindle for the Sharks today and that loss to the Panthers. I actually commented on one of your posts that you did after the game saying that he was on a hiding to nothing. I think it was a bit of a stitch-up, to be honest. Like He was one of a few NRL contending players in that Sharks lineup, and he was thrown to the wolves a little bit, I think. that The Sharks were asking a hell of a lot from someone to impress and, and perform and win away to a number six or number seven jersey. But he just didn't have the talent around him and actually made him try too hard, I think. Yeah, unfortunately for Braden Trindle, he probably stood out the most of any player this this trial round. Um, so far, we still got the Monday game. And that's just not a good thing. I think in NRL trials, um, in, in the case of standing out like Braden Trindle did, you're probably better off to just have a run-of-the-mill game like everyone else. Yeah. He stood out to me, and I know this is a rough take, but I probably thought he was the poorest of any player so far this round between him and Tyson Gamble. I think the way you analysed it there was perfectly just trying a little bit too hard, really wanting to show the coach, please, I want to be Nico Hines. Whether he whether he plays at six with Trindle in seven or Hines plays seven and you play Matt Moylan in six, what they want to achieve this year, I don't think that will matter too much. But after yeah. this trial, I'm probably... I'm probably eyeing off Matt Moylan more for that six jersey and moving Hines into the seven. Yeah, I said the other day um, when I was talking about the Sharks' hopes this year that you look at the games in the way that the Sharks have played in, the, particularly the past couple of years. I think Moylan's gone away from that sort of erratic fullback 5-8 role. He might wear number six, but he's actually more of a seven in, in the way that he controls the game for the Sharks. And you watch him, he's barking a hell of a lot. I agree with you, though. I think, I think Trindle probably was... Of all the players that had something to gain this weekend, he probably also had the most to lose. And I think, unfortunately for him, he came out on the wrong side of that. For the Panthers, though, again, plenty of young stars on show. A couple of names which stood out for mine was obviously Isaac Tago. Uh, Mav Geyer as well scored a try. He looked really impressive. And even players like Mitch Kenny and Charlie Staines, players we've seen in the NRL before, I thought that they held their own and really showed their class that they are NRL players in a overall standard of a game that was probably a New South Wales Cup, a glorified trial anyway. Yeah, definitely a glorified trial in this one. I think I counted maybe two players for the Sharks and four for the Panthers that might be there in round one this year. Um, I would agree with all the players you threw forward there, particularly Maverick Geyer. Um, I actually did a post before this on my rookie of the year for each team. For the Panthers, I was sort of looking around and I ended up going with Maverick Geyer, but I was on the fence. I was uh, There was a couple other people where I thought maybe we just haven't seen enough. But after that trial, I'm feeling very confident in my pick there. Some really, really great signs. I think defensively he had an error or two, but I do think that will be tidied up when he's coming off the bench for a 10, 15-minute stint um, and he's got someone like Liam Martin or James Fisher-Harris defending next to him. Isaac Tago, really, really impressed with him also. I thought that that centre position there um, that was freed up um, by either Paul Momorowski um, or who was the other one last year? It's, it's slipping my mind right now, but they've, they've lost both their centres regardless, the Panthers. I think one will be filled by Stephen Crichton. I think he'll revert to centre there. Yeah. Um, and I think the other one's wide open. And for me, it's between Isaac Tago and Taylor May. After that trial, I think Tago went a really, really long way to winning that jersey. Matty Burton, of course, the other one um, that, that oh, left. How could I forget that? <laughs> yeah, but again, it's funny. You, you probably don't see him as a centre, though, because he's not going to play centre yeah. at his new club, the Dogs. Um, not to take away from what he did for the Panthers, but you're right. I think Tago, he was obviously touted for the role. Uh, and I don't think he, he's lost any admirers from what we saw 
against the Sharks. The last game on Sunday, the Dragons and the Eels. I don't know if you call it an upset in the trial, but we probably thought the Eels would win this one. Dragons 26-22 to in the end. I don't want to be overly critical. I know it's a trial, but I think we mentioned uh, Trindle already having a point to prove. I think you could say the same about Young Amon uh, from the Dragons, and he looked really exposed early, and that really concerned me that he's playing in the front line at that key, you know, three in defender, and twice in the first 10 minutes, the Eels just picked him apart. Completely agree with you, but I just think he offers so much an attack that the Dragons will find a way to make this work. Yeah. The other option is, of course, Jaden Sullivan for that six jersey. Now, I really like both picks. However, I'm more inclined to play Jaden Sullivan out of the 14 jersey for the fact he does have NRL experience at hooker, and he did defend a lot better than Amoni would in the middle there. For mm-hmm. me, I think Amoni needs to defend on the edge with Tarek Sims. That way he sort of has that big brother enforcer sort of yeah. protector there. Um, and we've seen Tarek Sims play that role in Origin so well over the years, particularly... Um, in last year's series where he was absolutely phenomenal. So I, I think his defense was definitely exposed. I think other NRL coaches and teams will be taking notice of that. But I also think the Dragons will start to formulate a game plan around that and um, potentially still look to keep him in that six jersey alongside Ben Hunt. Would you be shocked or surprised in the slightest, though, if Griffin names Moses and Byatt 58 for that first week. I think it's such a conservative approach, and I agree with you that they have to pick one of these young guns, whether it is uh, Amone or uh, Sullivan. But would you be shocked? We've seen it a couple of times already, the coaches, that they're just stuck in their ways and they might look to that experienced combination of Mbai and Hunt for round one. You know, if there is a coach that will do that, it's Anthony Griffin. He's so old school. Yeah. Um, look at the first players he signed there, Andrew McCulloch, Josh McGuire two of his old players from the Broncos there. Um, for me, I wouldn't even have Moses Embo in this side. I know he offers experience, but for me, it's time for the Dragons to turn a page. Moses Embo will likely be the 14, as I understand. But if he's the six, again, I won't be too shocked just because Anthony Griffin does end it select very conservatively, like you said in the past. Otherwise, the key takeaways, I think, uh, obviously that matchup. Within a matchup, Sloan versus Ramsey for the Dragons' fullback role. I was shocked when I saw Ramsey got the uh, the number one jersey. They switched between the roles at times during the game, and I think for mine, Sloan really stood up. He had that great try assist to Ruben on the wing in the second half. It really turned the game, and Sloan going forward, he looks a fullback, sort of in that Latrell build, rangy. I don't want to compare him again to Inglis, but he, that's just the body type, the shape, and the skill set that he possesses at such a young age. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought this was up for debate personally. Uh, probably the biggest selection shock for me of the round was actually seeing Cody Ramsey in a one jersey over Tyrell Sloan. Um, I remember writing up the team list here and I, I just thought, I, I was scratching my head. I thought, how how could you go this way? Um, Tyrell Sloan has shown so much early on in his career. I, I, I was honestly, when they lost the Matt Dufty, and I know he's a great fullback. I, as If I was a Dragons fan, I wouldn't have been phased just because I know what Tyrell Sloan has shown us so far. Um, I thought it was an absolute no-brainer. He'd be completely locked in for that fullback role, and therefore you'd want him to trial as many minutes there. Uh, but it could also be a fact of with Matt Dufty gone, they do only have the one genuine fullback at the club now, I believe, in Tyrell Sloan. Yeah. Obviously, Mbai can play a little bit there if required. And so maybe it was a case of Griffin wanting to give Ramsey a few minutes there just in case they do have an injury and need to sort of swap their back line around a little bit. Yeah, makes sense. And obviously, uh, you mentioned the word injury there. Shocking injury to Hayes Dunster in that first half. And 
Look, it opens the door for someone like a Sean Russell or a Panasini or even uh, Simonson, rather, to, to make that spot their own, depending on what other players make the back line, of course. They've got a couple of options there. But uh, with Maker Sivo out, it looked like that spot was Dunster's to lose almost. And unfortunately, it looks like he's lost it through no fault of his own. Yeah, really, really unfortunate. I think for me it was a classic hip drop, but I don't think it was malicious. I don't think there was intent. Um, I think it was just trial game, first hit out of the year, trying to put everything you've done all preseason and unleash it, and it, he just went about it the wrong way with that. Um, whether the NRL see the same and suspend him, I'm not sure, um, but certainly no malicious intent in that as he actually – Hayes Dunst is actually his brother-in-law. He's actually dating his sister, so I don't yeah, think right. – unless something's gone on behind the scenes there. I don't think he would have done that one on purpose. Um, but yeah, it does open the door for a few young players. My first selection to actually replace him on that left wing is Solomone Narduki. Now he, hmm. I, I hope I've pronounced that wrong. He did try, oh, sorry, I hope I've pronounced that right and not wrong. <laughs> um, he did trial today. He scored a try and he, he sort of bombed another one and got close to a third try. But the reason why I think he could do well on that left wing is he's a barnstorming, strong Fijian runner. And yes. where, where have we seen that before in Sammy Rudrudger and Sivo, right? And so I think if Hayes Dunster, unfortunately, is ruled out, then I think Solomone, I'd put him on that wing there. And I'd have my other wing as Bailey Simonson. I think that's, it still gives the Eels X factor with a little bit of conservative uh, conservativeness because Simonson is a relatively safe winger. Um, Naiduku, he, he might drop a ball or two here like we saw in the trial, but he does offer unbelievable X factor. If not, I think they could just go conservative and put Sean Russell on the other wing there. You're right. It probably gives them an option as well, getting out of their end that they don't have. I mean, Russell and Simonson, pretty, not uh, being disrespectful here, but built low to the ground, slender types. They're not your traditional big rangy wingers that Parramatta have made their way with in recent years with Sevo and Ferguson, of course. Uh, but otherwise, probably not too disappointed the Eels. I mean, they had a host of stars out and... Marnie was impressive in his limited minutes, but again, they're going to be much better once they get back. Gutho, Brown, and uh, Mitchell Moses, of course. Otherwise, uh, one more game to come as we record this on Sunday night, and tomorrow that is the Knights and the Bulldogs. Uh, we're expecting to see a couple of the new faces for the Dogs turn out. Uh, Matt Dufty, Paul Vaughan, and, and Pangai Jr., of course, all expecting to get some minutes. I'm going to ask you, who are you most looking forward to seeing in the new colours, be it tomorrow night or next week's trial for the dogs we've already mentioned maddie burton there but they do have such a new roster here and it's going to be impressive to see the way that they run out and combine it you know in this preseason heading into round one yeah i'm really split on to how to answer that question between tavita pango jr and matt burton I, I think matt burton is the conservative answer but again there's no right or wrong answer here because if someone was to throw forward paul vaughan or matt dufty for their answer i'd say well yeah they're both on one-year deals they are heavily looking to impress um, and extend a big money offer for next year or potentially a long-term deal, whether that's at the Bulldogs or elsewhere. So super exciting time for the Bulldogs. But with all that said, I wouldn't read too much into what we see tomorrow night. I think it'll be just Trent Barrett wanting to get get a, get a lot of his um, new stars out there, get them a little bit of time um, time under their legs, get them moving around together. And then I think he'll pull them off for the second half, like we've seen so far this round and run out the reserve graders per se. Yeah, and I guess on the other side of that, the Knights, what do you make of their chances this year? Obviously, losing Braley in the preseason doesn't help, but also Mitchell Pearce has gone overseas now. So the makeup, the attacking makeup of the Knights is going to look very different this year as to what we've seen in recent years. And I've actually got them right down the bottom, challenging for the wooden spoon, a bottom four team for mine. Interested, though, to hear your thoughts, because I know that 
you know, I'm just one person and the way I look at it may be very different to how you perceive their chances this year. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's, it seems silly to tip the, a team like the Knights in the bottom four because they finished seventh last year. But the reality is, as soon as you take Mitchell Pierce out of that side, it's no longer the same Knights side. And so whilst everything else looks good for this side and there's realistically no reason they shouldn't be playing finals, I'm with you. I'm, I'm prepared to tip them for a bottom four position this year. The loss of Pierce is absolutely... You can't really put, put it into words because what it allows the other players in their team to do is play their natural game. For me, now there's way too much pressure on Kalen Ponga. He is, at whilst at fullback, he is essentially their chief playmaker. He yeah. is the one that's going to be expected to come up with points. And so if you're in opposition game planning for that, well, you've just got your eyes on Ponga sweeping around the back and you're watching and sliding with the defense there. That being said, we know Ponga's a phenomenal talent. I'm not going to say you have a poor year. I just think it's a lot of pressure for a young player um, to become the fullback, the main attacking weapon, and now we're hearing that he's going to be the captain. I think the injury to Jaden Braley can't be understated as well. This is absolutely massive. This is their captain, yeah. um, a man who, you know, if Damian Cook was unavailable for the Blues for origin and with what's happened with Appy Coruscant now and, and the Blues saying that they don't want to pick him again, Jaden Braley gets thrown into origin this year. It's a real possibility. Yeah. That's how good he's been playing. And so the loss of him is massive. All things considered, it's just... It's not the same Knights team we've seen over the last few years. Adam O'Brien is a coach that has a strict game plan. He loves his players to follow that game plan, just like an Anthony Seabold does. Um, and we've seen that with Anthony Seabold in the past, and we'll see with Adam Bryan this year, I believe, if you do not have the correct players and the experienced halves to deliver that game plan on the field, then it all falls apart, just like it did for Seabold at the Broncos. Yeah, and he's hoping that, uh, obviously, O'Brien there... I mean, he's one of the, the coaches under the most pressure, I feel. Uh, obviously, Michael Maguire won. Trent Barrett, probably even another one still, even, you know, the fact he signed all those uh, good players there. But for mine, and everyone who I say, I think the Knights can, can be a spoon contender. They say, oh, no, no, they're, they're probably better than those teams around them. Yeah, but I challenge you to look at, look at their first three months... They play a host of those teams that finished in the top eight, even the top four last year. And when they do play those, quote-unquote, lesser teams, they're away from home. So there's always going to be that expectation. Those first 12 weeks for the Knights are really, really important because Kalen Ponga, you've mentioned him a couple of times there, off contract, he could yeah. make the easy decision, uh, well, easy in his eyes to go maybe somewhere else and exit that system because I don't think they're, they're on the, the way up the Knights as they maybe were when he signed uh, heading into 2018. So uh, that's it for the Knights. Yeah. And, if, if uh, I can just... Yeah, go on. If I can just add to that real quick, what you said about their, their, their first four weeks, they've got the Roosters, that's extremely tough. Yeah. They've got the Tigers, they should get it done there. Uh, but then they go into the Panthers, probably not going to win that one. And then they go into the Sharks, who we think is going to improve this year. Then Manly, and then the Dragons. So realistically, in their first six weeks, there's probably only one or two games maybe there that they can win which is immediately going to put them at the bottom of the ladder and it's going to start applying that pressure to Ponga and all the other players. And I think it's going to become pretty evident to people that this isn't the same Newcastle team as we saw last year. And very quickly, losing becomes a habit as well. And obviously, they've yes. went to that patch there where they were wooden spooners for a couple of years. And obviously, their roster now better than it was then. But I'm just saying there is that culture. They probably got out of those dark times. And very quickly, we've seen with the Broncos how you can lose games that you probably should be winning and suddenly... 
you are at the bottom of the table for a couple of years, and maybe that is what we're looking at here with the Knights. Anyway, we get a chance to see what they can throw up against the Bulldogs on Monday. Clarkie, that wraps us up for the first week of the NRL Trials, mate. Great to have you on. Really appreciate your time tonight, and I know you're such a busy man, but uh, so excited to have footy back this weekend, and I thought no better man to talk to, uh, even in the pre-season, about what we can look forward to in 2022. Oh, beauty. Cheers, mate. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is Supercoach365 podcast, of course. Uh, we'll be doing um, our first team reveal on Tuesday, so look forward to that as well. Uh, and obviously, you can find us right across the socials at Supercoach365 on YouTube in 2022 as well. Clarky, I know they're probably already following you, but give yourself a little plug. Where can they grab that new sports account? Guys, if you're into sport, Clarky Sports column on Instagram. And if you're into rugby league, Clarky's rugby league column across all social media. Really looking forward to the upcoming trials next week. Of course, we'll dissect all of that as well. We might get you back, Clark, depending on your time. I'm not going to lock you in now, but uh, we'd love to do this again. This is Supercoach365. A big thanks for tuning in. Until next time, this is Ryan and Clarky. We'll chat to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.